0: We've had, the, for about the last month, had the
1: worst internet at work possible. Really? Like, the worst. We joked about having uh, the intern net, where if we, had some, <laughs> if we had some interns with some flash drives who could go down to Starbucks and download what we wanted <laughs> and bring it back, that would have been faster. <laughs> I'm Matthew Martinson. I'm Gordon McLattery.
0: And I'm Chanel Summers.
1: And this is Beards, Cats, and Indie Game Audio. Episode nineteen, twenty. I don't know. I always forget to check. I go episode. by months
2: because I always know what month I'm in. Yes, it's the August. It's August two thousand fifteen. So Chanel, you're back.
0: I am back. It is awesome to be back. I've I've missed you guys.
1: It's been so, It's it was it was great talking to you back on episode two. Wow. A Long long time ago. It feels. like. I was like. two. That's
0: yeah. crazy. I I feel like such a yeah, pioneer. Yeah, was brand new,
2: wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> You, you totally were. You were you were our first guest. I was just a little baby sound designer.
0: Well, because of my narcissistic <laughs> personality, I love being the first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you been up to lately?
0: Wow. Um, it's been a while. It's been a while. A lot of stuff. Definitely a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I have, uh, you know, been... Um, Continuing to do my sort of weird, wacky, left-of-field sort of projects, you know, working in sort of the emergent technology space. Um, I think, you know, when we last spoke, um, I talked about working on uh, Leviathan, mm-hmm. yep. which was that super large-scale um, augmented reality project that um, uh, was sort of uh, demoed at the... Uh, 2014 consumer electronics show i believe well so since then i've been working more in that space working a lot in virtual reality working in a lot in physical spaces um, and installations um doing a lot of interesting research work with the university of southern california cool um so working with um a couple labs there one is the mobile and environmental media lab We're doing a project basically creating um, the office of the future, or what we like to call a living character, um, where sort of the um, office is actually a team member itself and participates in meetings, influences the meetings, um, and has its own personality. And within this office, this room, there's other sort of enchanted objects also that have their own distinct personality. And so we were kind of accomplishing this um, through um, audio, um, kinetics, uh, robotics, uh, projection mapping, um, and um, it's amazing, we just really created this unbelievable sort of warm, living Environment it was kind of spooky.
2: Did you guys actually? It's it exists in the real world, or is it still in
0: uh, sort of planning? We're doing this in conjunction with uh, Steelcase Workspace Futures Group. Okay. And so um, this is a research project for them, but um, I think you know this is something we're basically taking a problem of like what would an office look like, sort of you know five to ten years out. And so this was um, the beginning of this work um, with them. Now, some of it is under NDA, so I can't get into a lot of the details. Um, but, you know, so right now it's, you know, still very much, you know, in a prototype phase. Yeah. And it exists in two different forms. One is the actual physical space form with these, these moving kinetic objects. Um, and then there's also an actual, uh, virtual reality model where you put on a headset and you can, you know, explore the space as well. So it's, it's mixed reality. You kind of go between the physical space and the virtual space. Cool.
1: Is Uh, it something that's thought of more as this is, this is an office that a lot of people would work in, or is this more of a, um, cause this is something we were talking about at work the other day of people working remotely and like the tools that are going to be created to make working remotely better. Cause right now, you know, you work remotely and you're like, I'm working in my office and this is totally applicable to sound people. Like, you know, you work in your home studio and there's, you've mm-hmm. got no contact with people. Maybe you've got Skype or Slack or something and it's, it's chat, but it's not, you know, it's not like being there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're going to definitely address the whole issues of telepresence. Yeah. And so where, yeah, you are in that environment without actually being in that environment. That's cool. So mm-hmm. that's that's for some of, you know, we're going to try and explore for some of the next phases yeah. um, of, of the project. Um, so it, it, was, it was definitely quite interesting. I know um, when People sat in this room. Yeah. One person commented they felt like they were back in their mother's womb. <laughs> oh, and it yeah. was very comfortable for them. Wow. Um, you know, the room could actually get quite manipulative uh-huh. with, um, with sort of the resonant frequency work of where it can kind of make you very focused mm. and, you know, want you to sort of uh, brainstorm. Yeah. But then also, you know, as maybe the day was moving on and uh, the... Um, Uh, Business day was coming to a close that the room would start to relax you, chill you out, and, you know, kind of prepare you to sort of shut down and, you know, have a nice drive home.
1: That's cool. So using sound not just as an informative of what's going on, but actually to tune your mood.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, like creating a... creating this very, you know, ambient yeah. um, type of environment. Um, but as I said, you know, the the room could be heavy-handed. Yeah. There was objects mm-hmm. in there that um, I had them as mischievous personalities kind of thing, <laughs> where, you know, they were kind of doing their own little hijinks in the background. Yeah. Um, you know, and they would call you out, like maybe if you went to start to sleep in a meeting. Yeah. they <laughs> they'd call you out and get you you know, get you back into form. Um. (laughs) That's that's some pretty
1: interesting stuff.
0: And no dialogue. Yeah. All done with, you know, sort of auditory icons and resonant frequencies. So completely done with sound. Hmm.
1: That's really cool sounding. That's fun. Yeah. I think that's definitely outside the space of what a lot of us do, but like... (laughs) I'm sure a lot of us would be like very interested in working there, like and doing that. Like sounds really, I think you know, in games, a lot of what we do is manipulate yes. pe- people's mm-hmm. emotions and states. So like doing that on a work level is like a.
2: Well, I think everyone everyone can learn from from functional audio, and like I think that would be really interesting to get into someday. Mm-hmm. Like just like people designing doors to car doors to sound a certain way to influence like how oh, you like, feel about something. It's
1: it's like looking at the team at BMW. Every BMW model has a different door sound that they like want to imply different things of like this is super luxurious or this is super mm-hmm. like sporty and fast and they like have a team that that's all they do is figure out how how the door closing sound is going to like what they have to do to change that. We wouldn't even
2: know where to start so that, that that's you that's like crazy. you're like
1: this is the sound of a sports car and this is the sound of a luxury car door closing Mm -hmm. you know like
0: and and actually the the usc lab that i was working with um they had worked um with bmw on um an ambient storytelling um project with bmw so um funny that you (laughs) mention that (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's it's very very interesting um i love these as i said these out of the box type projects um another one that's Just beginning, um, you know, I can kind of just really give you a real cursory description of it. Um, I'm doing this with the Mixed Reality Studio at Mm -hmm. USC, and um, this is a virtual reality project where we're doing it as uh, an untethered um, experience in sort of a haunted mansion. Um, So not a seated VR gaming experience, Mm -hmm. um, untethered. Taking sort of you know uh, data from sensors mm-hmm. and using that to procedurally generate things in the environment. That's cool. And also using sort of you know uh, redirected walk technology as well. So you know you're kind of walking around, but we've got you kind of going in a in a certain. Path. You don't
1: you don't realize that you're being guided somewhere, but mm-hmm. you're getting getting pushed a little. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. So very very excited about about that, and you know it's going to have a lot of uh, narrative branching. Yeah. Um, the audio is going to be a huge part of it. Um, you know, because it's really going to bring the the rich environment to life. Yeah. Particularly since it's also a haunted mansion, so much to do yeah. with with the audio. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be um, uh, a lot of great sound design, a lot of great um, also adaptive music, uh, adaptive music also that will fit in the environment, not yeah. just like why is music like just happening to play? That's one
2: of the tricky things with VR in this, that I've been trying to figure like, out.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm in this environment, but somehow. Non-diegetic music is playing. Yeah, yeah,
2: Yeah. it's weird. And I'm
0: trying to be immersed in this environment. But it will all make sense, you know. So, like, if there's a gramophone, it's coming from the gramophone, you know. Because the whole idea is everything should serve the story. It shouldn't just be there just to be there. Mm -hmm. Or look at my skills, you know.
1: I actually think that that's probably something that could be used more in a lot of horror games Mm -hmm. in general is making the music always come from somewhere in the world mm-hmm. and you could place like if you're in a house there's radios there's TVs there's exactly. like there's so many things that couldn't and just for creepy reasons the music moves from whatever object you you know is you're in the room with because because personally I'd be like I'd be really creeped out if like the music moved from that radio and then I went into the next room and it was in the TV and then I went mm-hmm. into the kitchen and it's in the little clock radio I'd be like this is weird <laughs>
0: Yes. It would tap into
1: this, like, okay, it's music and it's help setting the mood, but it's being done in a way that's not natural. Like, it fits the world, but it's not a natural thing. So you're going to be creeped out by it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Like, I mean, I realized the other day that um, our our current contractor, I come around the corner and I kind of scare him all the time. And it's almost like I'm like, I I remember being that guy. Yes, I did that. (laughs) So I'm still doing that. (laughs) And I realized, I'm like, I really need to work on a horror game because apparently I like jump scares. Mm. Giving (laughs) jump scares a lot.
0: (laughs) And, you know, the other thing also we're going to focus on, because, you know, what... I think also what people are getting hung up on, too, in virtual reality environments is, you know, 3D audio and all the tool sets and all the technology and, you know, room geometry and physics. And it's like, yeah... Cool, that's great. You know, sure we need to we need to think about that. We need to we we need to understand maybe how sound propagates in this environment as we're we're actually moving around in it. But I think, you know, a lot of the times that's then getting away of the artistic yeah. development. So sure, you know, we have to consider our tool sets, but again, the tools should be enabling our creative vision. And we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Hey, let's think about like subjective character perception, you know, in a virtual reality environment where we're now let's drop into our sonic headspace and how is the sound changing, you know, and, yeah. and, and filtering based on I'm panicking in this situation, or mm-hmm. I'm scared in this situation, or now I'm relieved because I've made it through the experience, you know, with my life intact. Yeah. Um, you know, and just other creative devices like yep. that. So I think that's super important as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. I think we're still, we're so early on in that, that space that it's definitely still like really tech focused. Mm-hmm. And we, A-
0: absolutely. And, and, you know,
1: and I think we're getting there, we're getting the tech figured out and yeah, we can't lose sight of what do we actually want to like do with this? And what does, what are our ideas sometimes going to generate that then we then need more tech for Like, you know, like think about what you want to do and maybe the tech doesn't do that yet, but can be made to
2: do it. Exactly. And one of the trickiest things with like the Vive, which is amazing, but you were in a box, like you, you are limited to a physical space and creating the illusion that you're not Mm -hmm. um, is really interesting. And I feel like sound can contribute to that nicely. Just by being able to place things far away uh, yeah. in the, the audio space and creating a, a feeling of a large space, despite the fact that physically you're constrained.
0: A- absolutely. We- well, I mean, that's also, I think, something like, again, just taking the artistic device of subjective character perception, you could just even use that to expand and contract your space of like, you know, shutting, you know, closing down into somebody's headspace. Mm-hmm. So you're shrinking the space down. And then going back out into the environmental sound, so now you've widened the space again. Right, right, right. So um, it's just about being clever,
2: Yeah. you know? Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, there's... A lot of times people think, oh, I have to use technology to accomplish stuff. Well, not always. Sometimes you could use aesthetic devices to, Mm -hmm. to accomplish something in a much more effective and clever manner.
1: Yeah, like I've seen people implement you know design decisions on the audio side and in middleware and stuff and like there's some people that'll do these huge complex things and it's really cool like on a technical side what they've done and somebody else is like oh well i i did this i got the same results and i just did this one thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're like oh there's there is something about that simplicity as well you know you don't need to show off your tech skills all the time
0: the minimalist approach yeah Mm -hmm. less is more
2: that's kind of what i do
1: like that's Kind of my design is, well, I- is
0: easier. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: well, and your programmers appreciate it. I have to let a cat in.
0: <laughs> you know, other things that I've been doing is I've been continuing with my um, educational um, endeavors yep. and initiatives. Um, as people might remember from the podcast from way back, um, I teach at the University of Southern California. But I also teach at a number of other universities and um, also run a lot of workshops based on uh, my class at USC. Um, And the workshops are, you know, aesthetic expression and game audio design. You know, how do we look at different aesthetic reference points, such as... Musique concrète and opera and cinema and literature and painting and sculpture. And how do we glean different um, aesthetic devices from this and bring these into um, our audio designs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And then we do a lot of, you know, unconventional exercises to sort of springboard creativity. Because, you know... To me, one of the most important things in sound design is really being able to find your own voice, you know? And that's really done through a lot of experimentation and exploration. Mm -hmm. And so I love doing these sort of -of out-of-the-box kind of, you know, crazy, unconventional um, creative problem-solving experiments, you know? the infamous cardboard lab where mm-hmm. you have to either create an entire sound narrative um, or musical composition just using cardboard. Um, that sounds fun. And, a lo- <laughs> and you know, a lot of different projects like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've been doing this with uh, young women, you know, on the sort of middle school and high school level. That's cool. Uh, a lot to, you know, expose them to this as a career option, because many are not aware of it at all. And I'm a big proponent of getting more women involved in game audio. Um, I think diversity is very important uh, for industry. Um, And so I've been, you know, working with a school in um, Seattle, Washington um, on doing that, but then we've kind of extended that. And we decided in, um, we decided that, you know, traditional is no longer traditional. Mm -hmm. And sort of in developing this workshop, this audio design workshop over the past two summers, you know, it's been driving home that the so-called traditional disciplines are no longer traditional. And so if if we are to prepare today's students to actually become tomorrow's leaders and to follow in our paths long after we're gone, we really have to teach them differently you know, incorporating the latest advances in technology in order to stay relevant and really to enable them to experience really interesting and cool things. So this past spring, we launched something even more exciting. Um, We basically took all the lessons, um, all the stuff from the aesthetic audio design workshops, and we created this innovative blended collaborative learning program in which we took a so-called traditional discipline of American literature and we blended it with sound design. Mm -hmm. And so um, what we did was is we uh, took the Harlem Renaissance um, uh, area. So we used it to explore the rise of diverse voices in American literature how culture influences literature and expression in general, and how literature, music, and art can be platforms for social change. So it was super interesting, and the students really actually grasped onto it extremely well. What was very exciting for them was the hands-on projects, mm -hmm. um, where they could get very experimental, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, essentially, we gave them uh, a few mundane objects, yeah. you know, uh, some paper, um, a, a cup, a balloon, some jelly beans, tin foil, and we're like, okay, now create um, a soundscape um, from the Harlem Renaissance. All right. And it was amazing. They just went to town and did things way beyond my expectations and then they for their final projects which was like a multi-genre project it was pretty unbelievable um i got pretty emotional it, it was amazing how well they grasped on to the foundational aspects of sound yep. design and just went with it and told amazing stories
1: hmm. are any of those available online anywhere for anyone to see
0: you know they they aren't, but I could probably try and get some some examples of that. Because I'll bet you people
1: be real like find that really interesting. Yeah. To see where that yeah like, they were they,
0: some of them were very personal and yeah. very heartfelt.
1: Yeah, it, it it really to me sounds like that kind of thing that like you can talk about it, but you not you don't really get it until you you hear it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It, like. No, I would I would love to I would love to post some of them, and I think. The students would love to share yeah. it as well. Uh, I know that you know early on when we were first doing the intermediate projects, they were a bit they were a bit nervous and they're yeah. a bit mm-hmm. reticent because this was new for them. Totally, and they were, you know, they're they're very much overachievers, and this was a <laughs> this was a new area for them, and they were concerned. They were concerned that maybe that they were going to fail and not, you know not perform where they should perform. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of had to teach them that there's fantastic failures and it's okay. And this is about experimentation and it's about exploration. And, you know, it's 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 very different from what they're doing, you know, traditionally in school. And once you kind of got them over that hurdle yeah. and going through the feedback process with them, it was wonderful to see them you know, become so confident Mm -hmm. and just really grow as people as well.
1: I I think there's pros I know who need to learn to do spectacular failures. Mm. (laughs) Like, I think everybody, like like, I these days put into my schedules time to fail so that, like, basically everything doesn't have to hit it out of the park and I can try some weird experiment knowing I've got time to, like, you know, I need to make a sound. There's the safe way to make the sound, or there's this weird idea I've got that might not work. Yeah. And if I've got the time, then I mean, like, I can try the the, the weird thing. And if it doesn't work, I can go back to the safe thing that I know will, like, be, be pretty good and, and, and okay. Yeah. And you know? And a... I can do that experiment knowing, like, instead of, like, oh, the only time I've got scheduled is, you know, one day. Well, I guess I better do the safe thing, because I know that'll get done in a day. But I'm like, I've got two days. Oh, I can spend a day. hmm doing something wacky,
2: and if it blows up in my face, oh, well, I've got another day to, to do it. And it's a thing that I feel like um, some freelancers don't allow themselves time yeah. to do either because they're like, you're always balancing your time to how much money you're getting paid. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to be like, eh, I'm just going to take a pay cut today and mess around. And if it doesn't work, it'll probably work for something else, yeah. maybe. Or you, you like you have to keep investing in yourself. I, can yeah. s- I consider that time. It's how you build and explore as, like, your skills
1: is through failure.
2: Yeah.
0: Like. Yeah. Exactly. It's very important. And, you know, I mean, through fantastic failures can come happy accidents. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you always go the safe, predictable route, you don't get those happy accidents. You need to go off on those unbeaten tracks sometimes Mm -hmm. knowing that you, there might be nothing there, but there might be that thing that is like, this is the best new way. Like this is a new way I found out to do this. And it's even better than what I used to do.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. You come up with something even more truly amazing. Yeah. And so exactly that. And that's why I say it's, experiment 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 Mm -hmm. you know the whole idea of doing sound concepting or sonic storyboards yeah you know and creating an iterative approach for yourself so doing a lot of like audio mock-ups that you know maybe some don't go anywhere but then maybe some go on this really beautiful wonderful path
1: yeah like i've 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 been pushing lately at, at clay you know when we're coming up with a new game and we're concepting stuff the concept artists they They make stuff and they prototype stuff. And the other artists, you know, they prototype things and they go through like different styles and like what's going to work. And they go through before we find a style Mm -hmm. of a game, goes through a couple of processes. And I'm like, I want to do that audio wise. I want to like throw some mud against the wall and see what sticks with conjunction of that, what the artists are doing. And I think it's really valuable to not wait until everything's solidified in an art style and then go okay i guess this is the soundscape that i'll do with that
0: mhm mm-hmm. yeah
1: you know getting in earlier than that and yeah the same thing the visual artists do
0: yeah well that exactly you know it's i've i've had people come to me before saying you know how can you create sound before you do the art well just you know like you have storyboards, you have these Sonic storyboards, you know, the art can, can come out from the sound.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think calling it a Sonic storyboard is a great thing for a lot, like this is a great takeaway for people because it's something that most game devs understand, they understand a storyboard and a concept art and like, if you use those same sort of words, then they can like have a better understanding of what you're, you're trying to do in those prototype stages.
0: It's all about the vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One other thing I just wanted to mention ab- yeah. about uh, the audio design workshops that I conduct is I uh, just actually brought uh, game audio education to India, which was well, very cool. uh, ex- exciting. Yeah. That'd be a I feel friendship. like I was on this, this great religious mission <laughs> bringing game audio education to India. <laughs> um, and that was super, super exciting. Um, I had done this interview for a British magazine, fantastic British magazine called Music Tech. Yeah. And a um, uh, gentleman um, from the Dynamic School of Audio Engineering read this uh, interview and contacted me, asking me if I was you know, interested in coming over to Chennai, southern India, and running some workshops there. And I'm like, Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, because I've run them all over the UK and Europe, but never in India. And, um, you know, the whole idea with India is that they really want to keep boosting their economy with video games. Yeah. But they're so known for programming and technical implementation. Mm -hmm. But they don't feel like they're known for content creation. Yeah. You know, like, oh, hey, I need somebody to do my game audio Mm -hmm. let me go to India no it's more like hey I need some development work I'll go to India Mm -hmm. so they want it to be that like hey you know if you need assistance with game audio India is a very you know viable place to go to for that plus you know they want to develop out more game development studios full-fledged game development studios where it's not just you know a game development studios is is not just again technical implementation Mm -hmm. but the entire suit to nuts you know that there's Mm -hmm. programming there's there's art there's animation there's visual effects there's audio there's music so forth so that was super exciting and (laughs) we're going to continue to to uh, build that out do bigger and better things with that Cool. Also, a couple other things I want to just quickly mention. Um, doing a collaboration um, with a colleague of mine uh, named Dale Crowley. Um, he runs Griffindale Studios. And we're going to be launching a site called Designing Music Now. And This is going to be an online magazine, community, and portal for all things related to creating music for games and interactive media. It's actually inspired by the fantastic Designing Sound, and it's going to be a resource dedicated to the art and technique of composing music um, for for games and interactive media with the aim of sharing information and knowledge in an open and collaborative manner. So definitely want to... um, chat more about that because we're very, very excited about that. Yeah, I
1: hear you're looking for contributors.
0: Oh, yes. So we have a temporary site located at www.designingmusicnow.org, and we would absolutely love to receive article contributions from the community. Yeah. So these contributions can be sent to info at designingmusicnow.org and we really want to hear from you. It's it's going to feature articles, news, reviews, and interviews, and more from the community of composers who can uh, support one another in our craft. We've currently gathered a group of 11 core members and four advisory members who are thought leaders in the field and are willing to really contribute their time, expertise, and wisdom to really make this vision possible. It's going to have a multimedia focus it's going to support videos podcasts live streaming as well as blogs and we want to feature students up-and-comers and and professionals alike on the site that's really important to us
1: um like designing sound are you going to have themes per month
0: you know that's interesting question we've we are exploring different themes absolutely we're exploring different themes but then there might be things where Hey, we're just going to sort of launch certain interesting articles sure. that we think are cool to do at that time.
1: Um, as somebody who has contributed to designing sound, I gotta say themes have always helped me think about what I might contribute. Like it helps kick people off.
0: Absolutely. I Absolutely. If you're like, hey,
1: we're talking about horror soundtracks today. Yeah,
0: it's yeah.
2: Yeah. pretty abstract too, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, oh, they've like designing they've sound Really sound. abstract. Themes, yeah. Which is. Fine. Is there anything in particular you guys are looking for for contributions, or is it just anything off the top of people's heads? Anything
0: off the top of people's heads, you know, in, in any type of area. Um, yeah, we're looking for a whole plethora um, of, of articles related to the craft um, and technique of composing music for games and interactive media. People can
1: talk about games that they've done, dissect what they've, like, post-mortems on Soundtracks that they've done.
0: Absolutely. That would be fantastic.
1: Yeah. I think, I think personally, I, I, I really like postmortem stuff, seeing how people have done stuff. I think it's yes, really, yeah. really beneficial to people. So go dissect your games. And <laughs> write an article about it.
0: Dissect them now. <laughs> I think
1: the key, too, the key to a good post-mortem is uh, being honest about it. Mm. You know, really go, this is what worked, and this is what didn't. And the stuff that didn't work is probably more valuable than the stuff that did work a lot of the time, you know, and be honest with yourself about like, this is, I tried this and it totally didn't work. You know, mm-hmm. I did this technique and it was wrong for this game. Like, yes, we shipped a game, but I should have done that part differently. Yeah. This part I did awesome. And that part, yeah, not so much.
0: Well, I mean, you know, this is how we really learn. Yeah. You know, um, Going back and looking what we did, and kind of thinking about how would I address that if I got to work on that game again, or if I had more yeah. time mm-hmm. to do things.
1: Totally, and I think it's it's awesome that you guys are starting a, a mu- like a real music focused website. I think uh, for games, you know, there's a lot of great music websites out there, but I don't think there's many focused.
2: I can't think of any off the top of my head.
1: No. Right on game yeah. like game music, which
2: mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah, Um,
1: And it's the tools uh, that people have access to these days are unbelievable. You've got these websites like the things you're starting and there's Designing Sound and there's the podcasts and there's all these different websites with forums and, you know, Reddit and um, Slack channels and like all these things that you can go to that even if you're a solitary entity in some town in the middle of nowhere with no other sound people within 100 miles... Mm You can go online and get all this, like, knowledge and tips and, like, it's so... Like, if I'd had that when I was starting out, I would have killed people for it. like <laughs> <laughs> So, kind of a segue. You were up here a couple weeks ago. Yes. Uh, for our local meetup that Gord got off the ground. Yeah. Vancouver Sound Designer Meetup. Um, we had the Evening of Crushed Dreams.
0: I was a dream and crusher. You, you were here for
1: that, Gord. You want to describe the event? Uh,
2: yeah, I guess have, have we talked about it? I'm, I'm not sure. So we threw a barbecue. Uh, there's a house in a Burnaby. We call Sound House, with a five at the end, and a German house spelling. House. Um, Sound house. It's
0: it's 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 not house. It's Bauhaus. <laughs> yes.
2: And audio house. There's there's four <laughs> grads. I think four VFS grads. Uh, living there, who are all sound design professionals, and they've kind of built a little mix, yeah. a little mix room, a little Foley studio. They have a couple other editing stations, and uh, but they also have a yard and a barbecue. So we had a barbecue, and we invited out professionals and uh, aspiring sound designers, and if you were either a crusher or a crushy, and we got to we got the aspiring guys. And girls to um, show like a short linear piece, like a two-minute uh, trailer or game capture, game or, cap, or something. Yeah, some
1: um, people had pro tools. Something sessions. they were proud of,
2: basically. Yeah, and then had the 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 crushers uh, critique them. Yeah, it uh, went really constructively. well, constructively. And I, yeah, I thought it went off without anybody cried. Nobody <laughs> cried. Everybody
1: got. Everybody, it seemed like everybody really felt that they got good, honest. Feedback. Criticism and feedback yep. of their things, and like things they could actionably change and make their product be it a trailer game, whatever, better going forward. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What do you, how did you?
0: I thought it was fantastic. Um, I mean, you know, I thought like the projects were going to be great, yeah, but they blew my mind, they were beyond great, they yeah. were beyond my expectations. I mean. I was just like, what? These are student projects? (laughs) Like, holy cow. I mean, um, the amount of work that was put into them, they Mm -hmm. were super professional. Yeah. And, you know, really, these students really understood how to use sound to tell a story, to mm-hmm. provide a, an exper- experience. I mean, a lot of times I'll work, you know, with some students where they still kind of treat sound as, as an asset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of almost like a sea dog, hear dog landscape. Like, yep. oh, here's what's in my field of view. Here's so that's what, what, what I got, put sounds here's on. Here's what I put sounds on. Yeah. Not thinking about, wait a minute, sound is actually this like incredibly powerful narrative mechanic Mm -hmm. that can do so much that can do things that visuals can't even do yeah so Mm -hmm. let's take advantage of that and let's not just do stuff that like you know kind of enhances the visual but go visuals but goes way beyond that yeah and these students were doing that yeah they were I didn't see them as sound designers I saw them as storytellers and it Mm -hmm. just happened to be that audio was one of their mechanics that they were using to tell their story
1: yeah, I was really surprised. I thought there would be. I, I thought I was going to have to do a lot of. Here's just all the stuff you missed. Yeah, which is exactly. usually when I do, um, I I kind of review a lot of people's stuff online, and and people send me stuff, and it's always no ambience. There's no ambiences. You need more distortion. You need everything bigger. Like it's just you know, there's just all this missing stuff. Here's the list of every, and it was, I was really having to dig in and go. Okay, I got. Like, I got to dig deeper to find the stuff that yes. isn't quite there yet. And it's small, subtle stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it, just, it, you know, it, it was good. And if you did these couple of little of things, you're just going to push it, like, right th- over the top. But yeah. it was always like, here's just a handful of little things. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: They're not exactly. like
1: I was expecting, here's some giant fundamentals you're missing. And it was totally not that. It was yeah. always like. Well, if I have to find something to critique, I guess it's this
2: part <laughs> yeah well and it's I think it has to do with the people that are willing to put something together on their own time uh, truck out to Burnaby like there was not good transit to that place
0: no <laughs> not at all
2: um, and uh, and and show it like you I think that you we were going to get the best of yeah. what is out there um just circ- circumstantially, basically. So. It's so much easier than uploading something to YouTube. So obviously... Harder. It's so much harder yeah. than uploading something to YouTube, you know?
0: Well, I also... I, and also, everybody was so wonderful and nice. Um, you know, they... Um, one of the things I thought was very important is that what feedback we could give them because their pieces were so fantastic. They took with such grace and charm yeah. Which is a very, very important thing.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that's that's for, for someone who's an up and comer in, um, in audio, you know, going into either the game industry or the film industry or whatever industry, not being precious about your work is yeah. very important. Yeah. Because you could be the next greatest thing, incredibly, incredibly talented, but if you can't take feedback and you have this ego... You're done. You're done. Yeah. yeah.
2: So. Well, it was fun by the end of the night. We all got pretty drunk and we we're just in crushing each other's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, a bunch of us pros uh, started pros throwing started, stuff up. And, and, re, and I'm realizing we we're like, oh, that wasn't as good as I remember it. I, I threw up a, a trailer
1: that we had just put out recently to show somebody as an example of like, here's a professional done one. And I was immediately like, okay. And here's me doing my own work. This is missing. And I missed this. And this should have been louder. And the mix was yeah. wrong of this. And I'm like, I was like, see, look, this shipped. This is a product that went out professionally, and I totally missed stuff.
0: Yeah. That's such an important lesson, because I know that students, or what I like to say, up-and-comers, is that they think that because you're a pro, that somehow you've got all the answers, you're perfect, you know it all, and it's, you know, this this godlike piece. Yeah. You know?
2: And it's like... No, no. I pulled off something that is okay, but I did it in two days. That's kind of <laughs> the the difference.
1: <laughs> that's that's something uh, um I can that feedback that I think is relevant for just about any. If you're if you're an up and comer and you're making a trailer to show off your skills, a, de- a demo reel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that you, I guarantee you have that a professional doesn't, whose trailer you may be rescoring, is you've got time. Yes. You know, like I do my trailers in a day or two. Right. That's just how it is. Right. So if you take one of my trailers and you're like, I've got two weeks to do this.
2: Mm-hmm. Y-
1: you don't have the experience that I have. But with that time, you mm-hmm. should be able to come up with something
2: pretty good.
1: Pretty good. Yeah. And and then show it to somebody,
2: mm-hmm. you yeah. know,
1: like reach out online and find people who are willing to review it. Take that feedback and, you know, implement those changes. Be willing to take feedback. I think it's great before if you've got a demo reel, if you're making a demo reel, uh, before you start needing it for job applications, if you can run it by some pros who yeah. are willing to give you honest feedback, yeah, you're gonna go miles ahead because they're gonna like point out a bunch of stuff you didn't realize and you didn't think about and you know they might be like hey you're like you're 90 of the way there. this is mm-hmm. great
0: mm-hmm.
1: these little things are what I would look for. And then when it comes time for job application, you're like everyone's be like,
0: holy crap!
1: Yes, yeah. amazing.
0: A- absolutely. I mean, you really touched on a very important point. It, 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 this can't be an insular process. Yeah, you have to, you have to share it with other people. You have to get feedback um, yeah. to really understand you know, is, 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 is your work, you know, up to sort of the level or standard it needs to be when presenting it, you know, to get a job. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I think that this event that you put on is an extremely important event. And um, I really look forward to seeing it growing, you know, becoming bigger, um, yeah. a- expanding, because um, I-, I think this is—you've uh, y- really come up with something that is significant here. That is really helping the community, um, really giving back for sure with this. Yeah, and and and, out, and, and 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 frankly, it's super fun too. Yeah, you know, nice. I really, I yeah, really yeah, it enjoyed was... it. I had a great time.
1: I we had we had more. Crushers than could fit in the room. <laughs> yeah, so we had the room to rotate was through. Sweaty. I, 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 Gord had to drag me out. It was like, <laughs> no, other people need to get in and do yeah. some reviews. You have to stay out for a while. I'm like,
0: but I wanna. Well, I know I never wanted to get out because the projects were really interesting, and yeah. I'm like, can I just stay here? <laughs> I'll like just kind of scrunch up in a corner somewhere in a little ball.
1: <laughs> so yeah, if you're working on your your project. Reach out to people. Get it reviewed by people. You go, you'll go, you go, you know, a million miles further. Mm-hmm. with. And as we're kind of talking about that, being able to take feedback and work with it mm-hmm. is a huge part of what we do. Yeah. You know, bar none, the whole, like I say it all the time, kill your babies. Like, don't hold it so precious. Yeah. You know, that whole kind of concept. You That's a huge part of what we do is just take on feedback and make changes because... Yep. Somebody else is at the top of the food chain when it comes to artistic vision for the entire project. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's very rarely us.
0: Yeah, yep, exactly.
1: If you are the artistic vision and doing the audio in a game, that is amazing and awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you. How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, like so yeah, so it was a
2: super
0: fun thing.
1: Yeah. Well, we're gonna do awesome. it again. Hopefully other meetup groups.
0: Maybe we could call it, though, being a dream motivator. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh,
1: Got a couple of questions. Jay Fernandez um, asked, and he realizes this is a broad question. Okay. What makes good ambiences in games?
2: It totally depends on what the scene is. I, I'm, I'm getting a bit weird with my ambience preferences because I'm starting to like certain ones and actually Dave Chan did it uh, really well in, in the long dark for some of the scenes where it's just so quiet yeah. this is totally specific this, yeah. is not a, this is like a specific answer that I feel like a lot of people don't exploit enough is like have you ever been somewhere where it's so quiet that you can't hear anything and I, I'm Maybe I've mentioned it before, but I, when I went fishing a couple of years ago in northern BC and it's just dead, yeah. silent, like quieter than any studio I've ever been in. And all you can kind of hear is like the blood in your ears and like this preamp noise of your brain. Yeah. And you you just get this weird hiss.
0: Wait, what, were you in an anechoic chamber? It, it, it <laughs> sounded like it, it
2: did sound like it though. Because yeah. all, the, all the leaves are off the trees. There's no wind. The birds have gone south. Yeah, there's nothing going on, and I got awesome recordings because of that. Because yeah. I had like this entire world-sized studio to work in. Yeah. Um, but also like I went out at night and just tried to hear something. And I couldn't <laughs> hear anything, and but your brain wants to hear something, so it starts. You start hearing just noise. It's a weird. It's a weird hiss. Yeah. And and it's it's a, it's a bit in the long dark. It's being recreated pretty nicely, and I've. We've done a, a bit of it for Fossil Echo as well, where it's just like there really is nothing happening in this room, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like sometimes I want to tell a story of what's going outside, but this looks like a dead, stagnant space and I, <laughs> and I want it to sound like that yeah, so it's yeah That's we that's just a bizarre, good ambience. I like totally didn't answer the question
0: i'll I'll, I'll give like a kind of a generalized yeah, there thing. we go um I, I think that a really great ambience should. Um, it should set the mood, um, the tone, the vibe, and really, you know, provide a sense of life throughout a world. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a great ambience can convey so much meaning Mm -hmm. in whatever medium you're working in. Um, but I also think that ambience is something that can be perceived differently, um, and can mean different things to different people as Mm -hmm. well. Um, I think that it can form a person's state of mind and shape their perception. Um, I think it can create, you know, augment, shape, and manipulate mood. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I, like, I think it should take the world that is currently with most of our, you know, display models is right in front of us in a, in a rectangular box and extend it around our whole person create the entire, or the rest of the world that isn't directly in front of us, basically. Yeah.
1: My thoughts are, um, it goes back to my kind of overall design philosophy of sound of you either need to be informing the player of something or building the world mm-hmm. and the ambiances build the world.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. You know, and in a way, they inform the player of what's not there.
0: Well, you know, what they...
1: what's not directly, like you're saying, it, it pulls the world out of just the screen and, and, and envelops you so it's about creating this, and what what your world building might be, the actual just this is a forest, or it might be this is the mood,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: or you know there's that world building can mean different things and not just physically what's seen. It's it's what is this world supposed to be? Is it supposed to be scary? Is it supposed to be happy? Is it yeah. supposed to be you know? And I have found um, two things related to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got winter in Don't Starve, I tried to figure out how to get that feeling of when there's all the snow on the ground, like the frequency response of the world changes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. And I
1: wanted to capture some of that in the feeling of everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and now that we've announced that I can talk about it, Don't Starve Shipwrecked, uh, large parts of shipwreck, you're out on the ocean, and yeah. we're, we're working with this. Well, what are the ambiences for the ocean? There's nothing there. <laughs> a lot of waves. <laughs> it, there's waves that there's no lapping of waves.
2: Well, you're on a boat, aren't you?
1: Well, we can have the sounds of the boat. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's an ambience. Just, just the general a, ambience a sound effect, is, right? there's no there's no waves lapping on anything. You're in the middle of the deep ocean. There's no birds. There's no like it's just there's kind of that lack of anything and. Mm-hmm. That's sort of where I'm pushing it towards of like, we need to just capture nothingness and that's okay. That's the mood and tone and world you're building is this empty, stark landscape right. of of nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, wow. it's not that's an empty awesome. forest,
1: but it's like, it's an empty ocean. What, what are you going to hear? You're not going to hear anything. Yeah. And so that's the tone I'm trying to like evoke of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, okay, we don't need to worry about a big change. And a lot of stuff. It's yeah, just sometimes like you just have some, to relax. Some wind, some
2: sort of wavy bits, yeah. you know, and then things in the world will build up more. It's, it's something I've had to chill out on, like, coming from school when the ambiences, they, they taught us to make them, like, super active. Yeah. You know, anytime someone... That was more of a, a linear perspective, but, mm-hmm. like, yeah. anytime someone's not talking, you need a spec ambience, like, filling in that mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. And But then the more I studied things I was like, okay, I can relax. Like I actually really like like the ambiences in no country for old men, which is just wind. Yeah. You know, and there aren't any specks popping in all the time.
0: Again, less is more. You know, yeah. Yeah. there's a, a beauty to the minimalistic approach. I mean, I've always been a fan of uh, Limbo. Yeah. yeah. You know, with their with their approach to um, their environments, you know, that's music in quotes, I'm doing the little finger (laughs) movements right now, the little air quotes, um, emerges from the sounds of the environment and just creates this unnerving, creepy, on-edge environment. You know, uh, same also is a great game from Samogo Studios um, called... Yearwalk? Yearwalk, that's it. You know, it's another real great piece of art. Yeah. Um, very minimalistic in its visuals and its audio approach. Fantastic. Kind of reminds me of this this old movie called Wicker Man. Yeah. Um, I remember the Wicker Man. And um, just super creepy and eerie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With not a lot going on. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the diametrically opposed to sort of the survival horror games. Yeah. Where you've got a lot of stuff like, you know. In your face. Um, This is just very subtle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And through subtlety comes this beauty. Yeah. Yeah. That game's
2: so scary sometimes. So so. I
0: think that, you know, (laughs) really, ambience provides us with an incredibly powerful method of communication.
1: Robert Rice asked. This is a techie one. I've I've, I've got a quick answer for it. (laughs) Uh, what are some techniques for meeting loudness standards during implementation, brackets, particularly without a third-party audio engine like Wise or FMOD? Good luck. <laughs> um, one, I just won't do a game without middleware at this point. So, and I'm, I'm lucky I work at a studio that I can make bold mm-hmm. statement, statements like that. I'm not a... Not a freelancer at yeah. the whim of a lot of, of if, devs, but honestly, I would not work without middleware at this point because, because of all reasons like that, it's just not worth my time.
2: Mm-hmm. Like, what are you meeting loudness standards for? Are you actually doing something that's going to console? Because there are no other loudness standards for yeah. games. Well, yeah. If, if it's a mobile game, there are no loudness standards. You just well, the,
1: the 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 Sony loudness standard does outline specs for mobile as well. Oh, does it. Okay. Yeah. So, um I've been following the loudness standards for our PC releases mm-hmm. just cuz I'm like if I do it for this, we're good for everything. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just
2: a good thing to do. Well, on PC you translate like those standards translate nicely to console as well. Yeah.
1: So, you know, so it's it's great for that. Um really all I've done in because I, I started out doing it back on FMOD Designer before the tools were really there built into the engines even then I just recorded the output I mixed the game how I thought the game should sound so it sounded good mm-hmm. recorded the output the way you're supposed to mm-hmm. so I could then run it through me- measurement meters mm-hmm. and just turn the whole game up or down at that point Yeah, yeah like the key is mix the game the way it should sound and then look at your loudness stuff
0: yeah, I, I I'm glad you said that, Matt, because that was the first thing that I was going to say. Is is that it's really first about how you mix the game, where the focus is. Yeah. You know, w- you know what's what are going to be your loudest sounds and your quietest sounds at any one time. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you want people to focus their attention?
1: Yeah, and I think I've heard other people talk about the loudness standards, and they've everyone kind of says mix your game first, mix the game the way it should sound. Yeah. And then look at it, and you're kind of my feeling. I could be totally wrong. Is you just bump overall level up or down at that point? If you've got a good mix, the that's you
2: know it's the, then it's the like, only way I can think of it really working. I mean, yeah,
1: and maybe it maybe you need a compressor, which yeah. is why you should use middleware. You know, maybe if you've got to go, yeah. you know, you maybe you need to compress the whole thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's what you do. You, you mix for a good sounding game first.
2: If you're not using middleware, like that is basically going to involve <laughs> reprinting all your assets. So if you have to bump it down two dB, yeah. you're gonna have to take all your assets, throw them into Sample Manager, and I don't know. Like if you bump all of them down one dB, I don't even know what the concatenative effect of that is gonna be. Yeah. it's just a like, horror show. Yeah, That's so my feeling. Uh, avoid it. I think. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Just have to mix it so it sounds good, and you're probably not going to meet any standards very easily. It's either be comedian or
1: be comedian. I'm not sure. Either mm-hmm. or, you know who you are. Um, asked about processing and management of VO after recording, and what about localization? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I am so thankful I don't have to deal with localization and haven't for a really yeah, long time. I've, so I've never.
2: Dealt with Ooh. it, so I'm not. I can't comment on it. I know we're doing text localization and.
1: Oh yeah, text localization we do but that's, all the time. But yeah, that's, but I've I've
2: never done a vo localization. Yet. Um, touching on vo localization,
1: I'd say the biggest thing is is file naming. Yeah, is is you've got to have a good file, and it relates to all of your management of vo after recording. Is have a really good file name process that you can easily look at something and have a good idea of what it is.
0: I think great file management is important for all asset management. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I have I've found that I can get away with a little bit not great in the sound effects area. I can usually figure out stuff. But if the VO, like we had, in, we, we ran into um, problems in Visible Ink with our file naming. Yeah. I came up with something and then basically... Things got added. Yeah, it blew up into a way of, like, I hadn't accounted for in my file naming scheme, and that became a problem. Yes. It was... We added all this stuff, and then it came to a point where I needed to reprocess everything in the game, Mm -hmm. and figuring out which lines I had used and needed to process and which I didn't because of my file naming was a problem. Yeah. I will fully admit to that. Um, I use a lot of processing, um, and I... I think on most of the straight dialogue, like for uh, Central and Invisible Ink, I think I had about eight or nine plugins on that. Mm-hmm. And about four of them were compressors. Oh, wow. Um, I, I'm a big believer in the, like, you do tiny bits of compression at every stage and it's much more transparent. If you hit a compressor slow and it does a dB or three, and then you hit the next compressor a little quicker and it also does a dB or three, you can do that a bunch, and you're ending up with getting, like, 9, 10 dB of compression, and it you don't really hear it. Mm-hmm. And then I had, I was printing reverb and printing EQ and doing a couple other things because I wanted it to be in this
2: space. Yeah, so what was our workflow for that? Um, so I did all the... I would, I, I would edit. Uh, we would record it. I would record it. I would pass it to you for editing. Yes, and so for my editing, I, did, I used a ton of macros. Um, I was using... Well, obviously, I have my little MMORPG mouse with a lot of shortcuts, like mapped to the buttons on the side, uh, for fast cuts. And then I had what else had I macroed?
1: Keyboard Keyboard Maestro. I was using
2: Keyboard Maestro. Invaluable. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, you want a straight up tool recommendation? Keyboard, keyboard Maestro. So then I could basically, after I think, yeah, that was I was using that for the fades. Yeah. Yeah. So after I, I would actually I would still cut everything manually just because the transient detection is still not that good in Pro Tools, and you would lose the beginning and end of words. Yeah. Um, also, like kind of selecting a bunch of lines and using Strip Silence, not doing all of them because then you're going to get like stammers and things. Yeah. And you're going to print you're going to print those as assets and not even notice. Yep. So you still have to be very conscious of what you're doing, but getting everything cut manually. And then using Keyboard Maestro to just like zip through and add fades to every single file. Yeah. Um, or else just you can just highlight them all and hit F. Uh, that's Pro Tools specific. Oh, yeah. Keyboard Maestro to consolidate them, mm-hmm. like with a, a button press. And then I'd hand them off to Matt for processing. So I would take
1: a handful of lines that I felt were, you know, maybe about 10 lines that I felt were indicative of all of the lines that the character was going to say. Put them into Pro Tools come up with my giant processing chain mm-hmm. that I felt worked for everything make that chain in sample manager which is, and and do all of my batch processing in sample manager
2: yeah
1: um, sample manager is my batch processor
2: it's mm-hmm. cheap it's good yeah they're coming out with something new too
1: yeah yeah it's about to get a like yeah. refurb and a new name yeah. and everything yeah, yeah, yeah um but that way I, I use pro tools to like come up with my settings and then save all my settings and then batch everything so I yeah. And then you'd still, I'd still have to spot check every single line to make sure that the process wasn't... Yeah, I was, was sending
2: you weird stuff. ...wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> when, <laughs> you're just, when you're listening to a thousand lines a day, sometimes things
1: <laughs> slip by. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we did our process. Um, it
2: was pretty quick by the end.
1: Yeah, we you were know, good and quick. The file naming was... Not good. The not good part. Yeah. Come up with a good file naming structure that is malleable to changes. hmm Is...
0: Flexibility.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tiny thing, sort of specific. Include the game name somewhere in your file names.
2: Yeah, especially if you're freelancing. Well, I mean, I'm not even... For me. For me, I'm Because you're working on multiple games. We've got multiple games on the go,
1: And I have a... Once a game is done, I take all the sounds, and the sounds that made it into the game, and the sounds that didn't make it into the game, and basically put it into my library of like, here's all the stuff from Shank. Here's all the stuff from Mark of the Ninja. Yeah. And if I'm searching for like blood... And I get all this stuff, and I immediately if there's if it's tagged right, I'm be like, oh, yeah. that's the blood from Shank. That's the blood from Mark of the Ninja. Yeah. Like,
2: you know, oh, oh, yeah, you need a neat renaming program. That's yeah. like huge, yeah. huge for workflow. You m- must have a batch renaming program. Uh, what is the one I use? I use Name Mangler. Name Angler. That's the one we both use. Yeah. Every Words day. of wisdom. Use it every day.
1: Yeah. Sample Manager and Name Angler are mm-hmm. kind of my like two not two, not-daw tools that I like. Yeah. Can't live without.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: And Keyboard Maestro. I'm about to descend down the Keyboard Maestro path because yeah. um, I was on uh, the Tone Benders podcast um, talking with René about tools, and he's a huge Keyboard Maestro guy.
2: Yeah. And you are, Gord. So I I don't use it as much as I've seen the light and I just
1: need to go towards it now. Yeah,
2: (laughs) it's 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 kind of hard to find tons of uses for it sometimes because it's more useful for really repetitive tasks. Yeah, and I haven't been finding myself doing that as much lately. But for dialogue editing, it's awesome, killer.
1: A couple of things. Uh, I was a guest, as I'd said, on Tonebenders um, just the other week. So go have a listen to them. Not just my episode, but all their Mm -hmm. episodes. They're awesome. It's always great when we can take two wonderful podcasts and cram them together and make a mega Voltron podcast.
0: (laughs) Please send your article contributions to info at designingmusicnow.org. Yes. We really look forward to that. Any
1: composers? Yes. Please contribute. Please. If, If you're somebody who works with composers, contribute something about how you would like to work with composers or what benefits you or you know
0: oh absolutely we definitely want to hear from the audio directors loved yeah love to even hear from programmers working with yeah. audio personnel as well totally
2: i'm getting married you're all invited sweet
0: oh boy this, congratulations it's
2: just out in two weeks everybody who everybody to the, the podcast this. is, is, invited to, to Gorge is to the not cats? telling you where no. <laughs> it, it is to the reason we have two cats.
1: <laughs> uh, I started a Slack channel for game audio people. Um, only caveats need to be, you need to be in the game audio industry, and you need to contact me directly because I don't want to just spam people about it. It's only people who want to join. Um, it is a crazy little chat room where questions will get answered and lots of not questions will get thrown around. Yeah, If you, you kind of want a crazy little chat room of audio people, it's a great little place.
2: Yeah. Also, we're going to be at PAX, so you can come find us there. We're doing a panel at PAX.
1: All right, we're doing a panel.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm gonna present I will I will be every day at the Clay booth. Yeah. And where will you be? I'll be at the Viking Squad booth, and we're doing a panel on Friday at 10.30. Somewhere, I can't remember where, with yeah.
1: three other wonderful sound
2: people. Yeah. Tales from Game Audio. Talk to us in person.
0: And, and I just want to close by saying... Matt and Gordon, your beards have become even more magnificent.
1: Come come for the audio. Stay for the magnificent beards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks for listening, everybody.